And now, from the Save on Foods Wines of British Columbia studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. Hello, British Columbia. I'm Anthony Gismondi, and welcome to today's show. Well, we made it through the snow last weekend, and uh, we're going to keep our fingers crossed for this weekend. Uh, but no matter what, cold weather, snow, or rain, it's still a great time to drink red, red wine. And uh, you know what? Decant your red wine, and you'll improve it dramatically, and you'll improve your enjoyment of that wine, and it's simple to do. Pick up a 3 $8 plain decanter and open your wine for 15 or 20 minutes before you serve it, right up to 45 minutes to an hour, and uh, you will really be happy with that result. Now, on the show today... Kim Crawford, remember him? He's on the show today. He's the winemaker for Jabber Wines. We'll be talking about his project out of Chile, and of course, he's still making wines at Love Block in New Zealand. Uh, so we'll be happy to catch up with him. Laurent Joanne uh, joins us for a 101 on Burgundy. We're going to learn a lot about Burgundy today in a simple way. Just lay it out for you uh, so that you can understand it and enjoy it. But up next, Anna Maria Klippenstein, co-owner of Clippers Organic Acres, invites you to explore the Similkameen Valley. Now, this is BC Food and Wine Radio. I'm Anthony Gismondi, and we are set to go. This is BC Food and Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. Join BC Food and Wine Radio and Anthony Gismondi at the 44th Vancouver International Wine Festival, April 22nd to 30th at the Vancouver Convention Center. Tickets for the International Festival tastings featuring 152 wineries from 17 countries and highlighting South America are on sale now. Stay, sip, and save. Get a free tasting ticket worth up to $129 when you book a downtown hotel via stayvancouverhotels.com. Details at vanwinefest.ca. Don't wine and drive. Penticton, a year-round mecca of adventure and wine. Get to know Penticton at the 6th Annual True Penticton Tourism Expo, April 2nd from 11 till 4 at the Penticton Trade and Convention Center. Learn more about all the fantastic things to see, do, and explore, and the places to play and stay in Penticton. Sample great local wine and craft beer, and a chance to win some fantastic prizes. Admission is free to this family-friendly event. Go to visitpenticton.com for more upcoming festivals and events in Penticton. A ring-a-ding-ding. Time for happy hour at the Modest Butcher at Mount Boucherie Estate Winery. Featuring wine by the glass starting at just five bucks, along with the most fabulous gourmet bites the West Side has ever seen. Daily from 2 to 5 p.m. Plus, join us for Tommy and Tannen Tuesdays. Order a giant tomahawk ribeye and get your first bottle of Mount Boucherie Reserve Merlot for just five bucks. The Modest Butcher at Mount Boucherie Estate Winery. See you today. Discover the good life right in your own backyard. Destination? The Watermark Beach Resort in beautiful Asuyus. Featuring spectacular views of Asuyus Lake, walking distance to shops, plus dining at the Watermark's very own 15 Park Bistro. And make sure to book your spring and summer travel now to avoid disappointment at the South Okanagan Resort that defines easy living. Visit watermarkbeachresort.com for full details and keep up to date on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
Clos du Soleil makes wines that speak of the Similkamine soil where their grapes are grown and the souls of the people who call this valley their home. Winemaker Michael Clark and his team specialize in wines that blend Bordeaux grape varieties with their unique mountainous terroir. The result is wines that are elegant, ageable, and authentic. Clos du Soleil, wild places, soulful wines. Available at clodusoleil.ca and fine restaurants and wine stores near you. From the Save On Foods Wines of British Columbia Studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. Hello, British Columbia, and welcome to the show. Shout out to all our stations across the province on BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Our next guest is a Similkameen fixture, and uh, we ourselves are preparing for uh, our annual uh, grape escapes up into the Okanagan and Similkameen Valley region. We're joined by co-owner Anna Marie Klippenstein. She's going to join us to talk about her burgeoning empire of uh, Clippers Organic Acres. So much going on there. Anne Marie, how are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. Good to have you on the show. Uh, I'm excited to talk to you as a... The new season starts to come around. I know there's still the snow in the vineyard, but uh, it'll be spring before we know it. I guess you know that better than any uh, farmer would. Absolutely. We're out in the greenhouse getting seeds started so that we can get them in the ground in the spring. And sometimes kind of seems surreal at this time of year uh, with snow coming down, right? Yeah. Well, let's uh, just quickly give us an overview of Clippers. You're much more than, than just a farm now. What, how would you describe the operation to someone who maybe doesn't know anything about it? So Clippers Organics, uh, I think we've created a little bit of a oasis and getaway um, in the area. So we have guest suites on the farm. We have an uh, award-winning restaurant, Row 14. We have a marketplace and cafe, so we do coffees and breakfast um, at our marketplace and cafe, and we're... Uh, farm 60 acres all certified organic yeah and and did you not recently uh, put together an online feature too from the marketplace for people to uh, to buy stuff so yeah we also have an online store um, that people can buy stuff online and pick up at the store or we also do a restaurant delivery program as well as a csa program as well yeah keeping busy uh, well, let's get right into it. Uh, I want to start right away. I don't want to miss this. On March 8th, you've got a, a great fundraiser going. What can you tell us about International Women's Day? So International Women's Day, we put together a program, for, so Farmers Feeding Families. Um, so we support, um, as a farm, we support two families every year to give them a, say, 17 weeks of fresh produce from our farm, and then we do fundraising to extend that. So last year we supported 11 families, uh, a soup kitchen, uh, with over $10,000 worth of produce from our farm. Wow, that's impressive. Uh, our guest is Anna Maria Klippenstein. We're talking about uh, many of the options uh, open to visitors now that stop in uh, at Clippers Organic Acres in Coston and the surrounding Similkameen Valley. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Row 14 because uh, that restaurant is on a roll and you've got a number of events coming up that would be of interest to people either heading to the Okanagan or staying in the Similkameen for a few days. 
Yeah, we do. So starting uh, March 11th, we have uh, celebrating the Roots, which is the vegetarian feast on April 15th, the Nose to Tail. Uh, we have Forest and Field event in May. In June, we have the Blossoms and Berries. We have two winemakers dinners coming up on the last Friday of March and April, one with Course West and one with Tantalus Winery, who is a CSA host in Kelowna for us. Wow. I like the sound of those two wineries. Uh, well, mm-hmm. let's... Let's talk a little bit about the Similk. I mean, how would you describe it today to people maybe who, you know, the people that used to just drive through it, why they should be stopping and what some of the options are in the valley to do now? I think there's so many things to do in the valley and there's more and more accommodations coming up at different wineries and um, different Airbnbs and stuff like that. So you can actually stay in the area and it's definitely, you know, Canada is only arid desert climate, which is beautiful in itself. And then the terroir here for the vineyards and orchards and just the diversity of what is grown in our valley. And then um, there's a lot more like cool little shops and stuff like that other around that you can uh, bike around. Um, there's a bike trail going in. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty uh, connective. So hiking, uh, river swimming, um there's tons of things to do and see and uh, the culinary world and wine industry are just, you know, at the inception where they're, they're there and they're taking off. And now we just um, are waiting for other people to flood the valley kind of thing. So yeah. it's, you know, it's happening and there's certain times of the year that are a lot busier than other times for sure. Sure. Well, I I sort of put that river in the same sort of line as vineyards. People get in their car and drive by and say, oh, that looks good. But if you actually get out of your car and walk through a vineyard or go down to the Smilkameen River, it just it will change your whole outlook on the valley almost instantly. And I love the notion of cycling there because it's quite flat, so it's easy for people to get around the valley and and visit uh, uh, all the different uh, wineries and other options there. Uh, tell us maybe just very quickly. There's there's a long history of organic growing in the Similkameen of all kinds of fruits and vegetables. Yeah. So. The Coston is Organic Capital of Canada, so there's more farms in Coston that are certified organic, which makes it a great community for growing organically in, for sure, as well as just the quality of organic product that comes out of the valley and that is shipped across Canada as well as into the um, states and overseas and stuff like that. It is definitely... um, it, for us, you know, we moved here 20 years ago and we haven't really looked back. It's it's a little bit of an oasis for us. Uh, and it, I don't know. Everyone's like, well, what did you do when you're going to retire? And I'm like, oh, I don't know where else I've been that, you know, I would want to go and live after living here. Um, and then we have people coming into the restaurant and they're like, I bought a summer home in Caramia so that I could come here and spend my summers here from Kelowna. And, you know, it's like one of those things. It's just a gem. Okay. Well, as many people as I can push there, I will, because I think it's such a great, uh, it's an undiscovered jewel in British Columbia. And uh, so we thank you for that and getting it, keeping it organic and going in that route. I think it's just, it's it's a natural thing to do. And it's going to be really big. You got a couple of great events coming up before we go. So tell us a little bit about this art crawl that takes place in the Similkameen for people who love art. 
So last year we started a, an art crawl. So we call it the Mackenzie Road Art Crawl. Um, if you've ever been to the area, we have our marketplace and cafe at one end of the street, and we have our Row 14 restaurant at the other end of the street. So May is, it, you know, the start of spring, and it can be a beautiful time of year. And so we do an art crawl. for from. So we have vendors at both um, different artists from the valley and outside of the valley come and set up. And last year we had over 50 vendors at our art market and we had a huge turnout for it. This year we're also planning on including the Smokemean uh, wineries, cideries, and that new Sharp distillery that's just opening up in the valley. So mm-hmm. they'll also have tents where you can sample, taste, and purchase. Yeah, that sounds great. And, uh, and although that's happening on uh, yeah. May 7th. Yeah, Sunday, May 7th, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., at the Clippers Marketplace and Cafe in Row 14. Uh, well, some people would be surprised to know that you've been around for uh, quite a while. In fact, you're going to celebrate your 20th anniversary this year. Let's talk about this event and uh, what, what people could expect uh, when if they uh, get a chance to attend it. So August 28th, we're excited to be celebrating our 20th uh, year of farming in the Smilkmeen. People can expect chefs, so we have partner chefs. Uh, a connections along the way um, kind of feast that we're doing uh, with different tasting um, stations throughout the orchard, as well as paired with cideries, wineries, and breweries and spirits from other connections that we've made over the last 20 years. And so it will have live music, we'll have farm tours, and um, really just celebration of where we've come from and what we have done in the valley so far. Well, Anne-Maria, we're, uh, we're excited to come back to the Smilkameen. Thanks for the update and for the many people traveling through the region. Uh, please uh, put the Clippers Organic Acres in Costin on your list to stop by and check out all that they have to offer. Plenty more to come on the show. Up next, we speak with Laurent Drouin, whose family's been making Burgundy from Bone, France since 1880. You can listen to the show live weekly in 20 cities across British Columbia or on demand on all the major podcast platforms. This is BC Food and Wine Radio, and I'm Anthony Gismondi. There's lots more still ahead. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Hi, this is Anthony Gismondi with two minutes on how to track down that wine you enjoyed so much last night. Where can I buy that wine is a question I'm often asked because locating it is never all that apparent in our convoluted retail wine market with so many options out there. So where does one start the search for that elusive bottle? Well, don't forget to take a picture of the label. That will help. Then consider that wine is sold in numerous brick-and-mortar locations in B.C., most notably government B.C. liquor stores. A recent search of bcliquorstores.com turned up 198 locations across B.C., from Victoria and Vancouver in the south to Kelowna or Soyuz in the Okanagan and up north to Fort St. John. So there's likely one or more B.C. liquor stores in your town ready to serve you today. Private liquor stores are a great option. Liberty Wine Merchants, Jack's, The Angry Otter, Everything Wine, they all have multiple locations around the Lower Mainland and on Vancouver Island. Other one-off private wine merchants like Marquee Wine Cellars in downtown Vancouver, Vessel Liquor in Victoria, or Cask and Barrel in Kelowna are solid options too, with a knowledgeable staff 
and a wide selection of many hard-to-find wines. They can also suggest replacement wines that are similar to style of the wine you're looking for. Grocery stores are the latest to retail in BC. One of the most prominent players is Save On Foods. They have 22 locations in British Columbia, and they offer the province's largest selection of VQA wines with over 1,300 SKUs. Plus, they have the best wine discounts when you buy four or more bottles. Who doesn't want to save some money? Your next choice is to go direct to the winery website and order online. It's a brilliant option as often you'll find wine online that's only available via the winery website. And wineries have upped their game online since the pandemic. Most have become very efficient at processing your order and shipping it within days right to your front door. As a result, buying wine has never been simpler. For Gizmondi on Wine, I'm Anthony Gizmondi. Welcome to The Loops. When you love something, you want to do it again and again. Here in Kamloops, you can do laps on your mountain bike or play another round of golf. And when you're ready, welcoming eateries will gladly bring out budget-friendly second helpings or refills. Later on, you can raise the roof for a melodic encore before tucking into a comfy bed, then waking up to discover something new to do all over again. That's what we mean by welcome to the loops. Go to tourismcamloops.com to plan your next road trip to the loops. The legend lives on. Three-Finger Jack roamed the rugged, lawless gold country wilderness along the east ridge of Lodi in Old California, searching relentlessly for riches. The gold may be gone, but this wine, grown in the land where Jack rode, pays tribute to his outlaw nature, a bold Cabernet Sauvignon, truly worthy of that legendary name, Three-Finger Jack, outlaw by nature. Discover the legend at a BC liquor store near you or visit threefingerjack.com. The Inn at Therapy Vineyards invites you to get away for a luxurious retreat experience. Modern rooms overlooking the vineyards and Lake Okanagan set the tone for a relaxing and refreshing stay on the Naramata bench. Relax on your patio, soak in the hot tub, and enjoy a guided tasting experience in the Therapy Vineyards wine shop. Book your room or order Therapy Vineyards award-winning wines and have them delivered to your door at therapyvineyards.com because everyone needs a little therapy. From our Save On Foods Wines of British Columbia studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. Every little breeze seems to whisper Louise. Birth in the trees seem to tweet Louise. Each little rose tells me it knows I Hello, grow. British Columbia, and a shout out to Radio NL Kamloops in all 19 cities across the province on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Our guest is Laurent Drouin. He's a family member from Maison Joseph Drouin, an export director for United States and Canada. He joins us today. Laurent, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Anthony? Good to speak I'm, to you. I'm very fine. Uh, I'm very happy to be talking to you today. And uh, I thought we'd start out uh, to talk a little bit about uh, Maison Joseph Drouin in Burgundy. Uh, so let's, let's start with where you are and, and uh, how the company is formed. Or was formed. Uh, well, I would say we're um, we're 143 years old, so it was founded in 1880 by Joseph Drouin, uh, my great grandfather, and um, he started as a negociant and was quite successful actually doing so. And then in 1918, uh, Maurice Drouin took over his son, my grandfather, and mm-hmm. uh, Maurice uh, started buying vineyards in 1921. So the birth of the domain. Uh, of all the vineyards we own today started with the Bon Claude de Mouche in 1921. 
And obviously, Maurice uh, developed the company and, and, and started buying more lands there and there whenever he could. Uh, wartime sure. was kind of a tough time. And uh, 57, uh, my father takes over, continued to expand it, went to Chablis, and uh, in the mid-'80s went to uh, Oregon. Uh, that yeah. bold move to invest over there. And, um, and I would say, voila, now the company... And, and I would say our passion is uh, split between the four of us. I have two siblings, uh, three siblings, Veronique, Philippe, and Frédéric. And now the next generation, so what we call the G5, has joined us in the name of Lorraine, uh, Veronique number one. So we own today uh, a little bit more than 90 hectares in, uh, in, in Burgundy, from the Côte Chalonnaise all the way to the Côte de Bonne. Wow, that's a lot. Uh, yeah. Well, I wanted uh, to ask you... Yeah. I wanted to just ask you, because let's say, you know, for most North Americans, people see a winery, they go there, the wine is grown there, made there, produced there, and, and bottled. But in Burgundy, it's different. You're not just a winery. How, how would you explain uh, the whole situation of being a negociant, winery, producer, etc., that's understandable to us? Mm-hmm. Well, we are what we call... Um, uh, producteur, négociant, éleveur, uh, propriétaire, négociant, éleveur, sorry, uh, meaning we own vineyards and we produce the wines of our own vineyards, as I mentioned, the 90 hectares. Uh, right. And we also, the négociant activity is based on pretty much uh, grapes uh, that we buy from other growers. So technically, we do not own the land. Uh, and with some of them, so we buy their crop and we produce the wines out of that crop. And sometimes we buy wine in bulk and then we do the aging in our cellars. So uh, that's the negociant activity, which is completely different than what it is in, in, in Bordeaux. Uh, the Bordeaux Chateau are selling directly to the negociant and then it's all sold on, on the market. So propriétaire negociant éleveur in Burgundy, which is what we are, uh, means owning vineyards and also producing wines out of vineyards that you do not own. Hmm. Okay, I so like that. I know, I know. Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. And, no, no, I, I know it sounds sometimes a little com- complicated to understand, but it's fairly simple. Uh, whatever it says domain on the label or récolte du domaine or propriété of, for us, could be famille de Rouen, that means it is coming from our vineyards. So. Yeah. Uh, some of the large producers in Burgundy are not only négociants, and but they're proud to be uh, propriétaires as well. Yeah, our guest is uh, Laurent uh, Drouin. We're talking about Burgundy. Uh, just to, to finalize that point, by the way, if, if you've been in business for over 100 years, I don't imagine that there isn't much that you don't know about the vineyards, the other vineyards that you work with. So we can expect that, that the same sort of care and attention goes into those wines anyway. Uh, Indeed. Uh, And you're right, Anthony. Uh, Bottom line, the the wines have one thing in common, and it is the name Joseph Drouin. And we have to make sure that what's in the bottle will truly reflect uh, our passion and our dedication to express all the various terroirs of Burgundy. And obviously, it starts with the way the growers are farming, uh, the way they're picking, uh, and if they have vinified, and before aging, uh, the way they vinified. So we... uh, I'm not going to say we know every every square inch of Burgundy, but after 143 years, I think we know quite a lot. Quite and a lot that allows us to it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. How would you how would you explain the hierarchy? Also, I, I love to get this information out to young people of Burgundy. So you know, we mm-hmm. you talk about regions and appellations and vineyards. How how is Burgundy set up so that you, people can understand what's going on? 
Well, it's, it's, I'm going to say it's very simple. From one location, uh, like if I take a village, for example, uh, yeah. and then within that village, it's surrounded by vineyards. And some of those vineyards are well located and are very well located. And it is what we call the Grand Cru. Uh, and then just below, vineyards could be pretty well located, and that would be Premier Cru. And then some are a good location, and they carry the name of the village, and that's the village level. And then mm-hmm. at the bottom, there is what we call the more regional wine, meaning the Bourgogne Rouge or the Bourgogne Blanc. So basically, right. you, have, uh, you have four levels, Bourgogne Rouge, then village level, then Premier Cru, then the Grand Cru. It's, and if it's you, that simple. The, yeah. The, yeah. And you, you're set up in Bone. You're set up in Bone. So uh, why don't you walk us through maybe the, that hierarchy again with some names that that are in the marketplace. Like what what is the – there's a Bourgogne obviously here from Joanne, but what, what is the village wine that you have? Uh, yeah, we're in the appellation of Bone. Uh, but so you, you would find something like uh, – indeed, like Bourgogne Rouge. And then moving to a village level – uh, for yeah. example, a wine called uh, Volnay or or just Bonne. Uh, yep. And then higher than that, there would be a premier cru, like Bonne premier cru, uh, Claude des Mouches, uh, which is what our flagship wine. Uh, yeah. the, in, and, and unfortunately, I cannot go to Grand Cru because in Bonne itself, in that appellation itself, yeah. there is no Grand Cru. So you have right. to go in the Côte de Nuit for that. And, and sure. But I, I know it sounds... It sounds uh, very serious, but actually it's kind of fun to, when you start digging into the Burgundy, uh, into the Burgundy, you always, always have to remember from uh, who's the producer. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's only one chateau, uh, one grand chateau, let's say, Aubryon. Uh, but in Burgundy, for a village like Bonne, uh, you have more than 200 different producers because mm-hmm. the vineyards are all spread out and, and in the hands of several producers. So yeah. um, it, it, it is. But, but on the market here in BC, uh, you do find in both the whites and the reds, you do find Bourgogne Rouge, Bourgogne Blanc, you find some Chablis uh, and some Chablis Premier Cru, and there is also the Chablis Grand Cru. So uh, Chablis covers all the uh, hierarchy of, of Burgundy. Right on. We're speaking with Laurent, uh, Laurent Drouin from uh, Maison Joseph Drouin. Laurent, a lot of talk about young people today not engaged in the wine business. What kind of a, a, a challenge is it for, for Burgundians to, to uh, speak to a youthful market? You know, as a traditional region, uh, we tend to have a traditional message and we try to find a traditional angle to speak to whoever we want to speak to. And, 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 but we have to speak the truth and we have to try to, uh, to be a little bit more simple in the way and in a fun way as well uh, to the new generation. I think they're very sensitive on, and, and to the authenticity of the message. Um, they can listen very seriously uh, about what you have to say when you start being technical, but they want to keep the fun as well. You know, I enjoy a good glass of Burgundy with a slice of pizza, and, and this is the kind of thing that we can say. But, but for some of the Burgundians, they remain so traditional, and, and maybe a little bit of the uh, French arrogance sometimes. They are, oh, no, 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 you cannot do this wine with that kind of food. You have to do this and this. So uh, the challenge is trying to to capture the attention of the young generation, uh, which I believe is completely open to whatever you have to say, but you have to say kind of the fun way on a tr- give us, deliver the truth and uh, be authentic. Yeah. 
I like the sound of that. Uh, well, we love to drink Burgundy, and, and uh, I guess part of that question is that, you know, often people use the word Burgundy and they toss it around, but unless you're drinking it, it's hard to understand it. Could you, uh, very briefly, I know it's a tough question, but if we talk about the style of Burgundy, which is uh, red Burgundy Pinot Noir versus, say, New World Pinot Noir, how would you compare the two different styles? Well, the two different styles between, I would say, New World and Old World, even though I don't like to say Old World, but more traditional. Uh, Burgundy is more on the, um, on the, for the reds, more on the elegant side, uh, maybe a little lighter style. The tenants uh, could be sometimes get confused with some sort of an earthiness. Uh, when the wines from the New World are a little bit more intense, a little bit darker, a bit more fruit forward, uh, sometimes fruit bomb, even though that is fading away. Uh, mm-hmm. So elegance is, is definitely what we try to get. Uh, and, and purity is another thing. It's when it comes to Burgundy, if you're looking for something big, bold, heavily extracted, no. But you're looking for something pure, precise, well-defined, very elegant. Uh, that's where it is. And those are food-friendly wines, meaning you can get that with food, but you can also enjoy those wines without any. And that's the joy of most of those wines. Yeah. Okay, Laurent, uh, I, yeah. the next thing I want to do is taste some wine, so I'm going to take a quick break. That was Laurent Drouin, family member and export director for North America for Maison Joseph Drouin. This is BC Food & Wine Radio, and I'm Anthony Gismondi. There's more to come. This is BC Food & Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. As someone who is starting or adding to their wine or spirits collection, you recognize your choice of a reputable supplier is paramount. As the only auction in Canada dedicated to fine wines and spirits, Iron Gate Auctions offers buyers a safe, inexpensive way to initiate or enhance their collections. They're experts in the field, and all of their offerings are meticulously sourced from private sellers across Canada. To find out more, visit irongateauctions.com. Penticton, a year-round mecca of adventure and wine. Get to know Penticton at the 6th Annual True Penticton Tourism Expo, April 2nd from 11 till 4 at the Penticton Trade and Convention Center. Learn more about all the fantastic things to see, do, and explore, and the places to play and stay in Penticton. Sample great local wine and craft beer, and a chance to win some fantastic prizes. Admission is free to this family-friendly event. Go to visitpenticton.com for more upcoming festivals and events in Penticton. The legend lives on. Three Finger Jack roamed the rugged, lawless gold country wilderness along the east ridge of Lodi in Old California, searching relentlessly for riches. The gold may be gone, but this wine, grown in the land where Jack rode, pays tribute to his outlaw nature, a bold Cabernet Sauvignon, truly worthy of that legendary name, Three Finger Jack, outlaw by nature. Discover the legend at a BC liquor store near you or visit threefingerjack.com. Take your wine appreciation to the next level and become a rebel. Welcome to the Rebel Club at Liber Farm and Winery. As a Rebel member, you'll enjoy a regular shipment of exemplary Liber wines for your cellar, along with complimentary tastings and VIP treatment at the winery and more. And with the ease and convenience of online ordering, your wine will be shipped straight to your door. Discover more at LiberFarm.com. Simply great wines. From the Save on Foods Wines of British Columbia Studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. 
Now, here's Anthony Gizmondi. Hello, British Columbia. We're back speaking with Laurent Drouin. He's a family member and export manager for the United States and Canada for Maison Joseph Drouin. They're located in Bone, Burgundy. Laurent, uh, thanks for coming back. I really want to talk to you about the wines. I'm so impressed that you have, uh, it looks like you have about 16 different wines now listed in British Columbia, which is fantastic. Uh, so I thought we maybe would talk about some of them and how they relate to the history of the company and, and the wines themselves. Uh, so mm-hmm. in, the first seg- in the first segment, we talked about regional wines. So you have a Bourgogne Pinot Noir, Joseph Drouin. So, so what's the pedigree of that wine, or how does that wine come together? That, that we can That's a nice introductory wine to talk about. Yes, that, that's what I call an invitation to the world of Burgundy and, and more precisely to the world of Joseph Drouin. Uh, it is it is a wine that is a blend of grapes coming from the Côte Chalonnaise, which is one of the region of Burgundy, and as well as uh, some Côte de Bourgogne, some Bone wines. Uh, and and actually, with this wine, we want, as I mentioned, an invitation, meaning uh, kind of a nice, easy uh, color wine and uh, some some very nice. Uh, kind of a tiny red fruit ar- uh, aromas like raspberries or red currants. I mean, and it's 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 a very delicate, simple uh, invitation. It's nothing complex, nothing that you're going to age, nothing that you're going to keep for so long in your cellar. You just you mm-hmm. just grab a bottle of that one, and you're yeah. transported in the world of Burgundy. And it's the, it's and it's again it yeah. Well, it you know in Champagne they talk a lot about a house style. Is there a house style for Joanne? Like, would we see that in this wine? A little bit of that or not? You will absolutely see that style in in the, the Joseph Drouin style in this wine. The Joseph Drouin style is is what has been defined by my great grandfather, and that was complexity, elegance, and finesse. And obviously, that varies from one appellation to another one. The, the, the intensity of the complexity or the finesse. Uh, but that wine is, is, is not about big and deep dark. It is definitely more on the elegant side than the refined side. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you will definitely get a touch and that invitation to our world with this wine. Yeah. Yeah, we're speaking with uh, Laurent Drouin. We're talking about many of his wines that are available here in British Columbia. One of the things that your father uh, did, which was really smart, was head up to Chablis uh, early on when he was in the business to buy a property, and he managed to find some really nice ones. Can you just tell us, give us an overview of, of your Chablis portfolio? Because there's several of them in the marketplace. Indeed, uh, it goes back to 1968, and actually we covered the uh, three level of appellation in Chablis, like the Chablis Reserve de Vaudon or Chablis AC. Uh, they're both village level. Uh, the Reserve de Vaudon comes exclusively from our domain, uh, organically and certified organically grown grapes, by the way. Uh, yeah. And and uh, the wine is just a typical of Chablis. Uh, yeah, you know, hint of lemon, kind of a saltiness in it, and it's bright, it's clean, it's pure. It's a great wine with oyster as an aperitif. And then you're moving up to uh, Premier Cru. And I know that on the market you have something like Le Premier Cru Les Vaillons, uh, yep. which is more, more of a designated area. And uh, kind of the same style as, uh, or same terroir as the Chablis AC, uh, AC, except that it has a little bit more length and persistency on the palate and slightly more structured as well. Um, yeah. So it's also kind of a food wine. 
Uh, and and then there is some Grand Cru. I think there is some Leclos in the, on the market. So there you start reaching what we call the stars of Burgundy and uh, mm-hmm. with in, in, incredible uh, and absolutely incredible wine in their complexity, in their length, in the expression of the fruit and the texture is absolutely stunning. But indeed, uh, the Chablis, overall Chablis region, if I, uh, Chablis region, if I can say a few words on that, it's sure. the northern part of Burgundy. It's, it's a very poor soil. It's, it's limestone and chalk dominant uh, in that soil. And because it's a northern part as well, uh, it's slightly cooler climate. So that kind of that precision, that sort of grindy and zesty and lemony that you have in the wine comes from the fact that it's pretty cold and a yeah. pretty poor uh, soil as well. Yeah, and may, maybe what younger people may not know is that it's although it's a white wine, uh, these Premier Cru and Grand Cru Chablis can be aged for a few years as well. That's that's right. Uh, you can you can keep like five to seven years some of the Premier Cru, and you can go um, ten, maybe top fifteen years for the uh, for the Grand Cru. So they have potential for aging. The more balanced the wines are, the more you can keep them in your cellar. Yeah. Okay, let's talk a bit about Bone. Obviously, you're situated in Bone. Uh, I had a chance to have a fabulous Bone with you earlier this week, uh, the Bone Premier Cru Greve. Uh, uh, tell us about uh, the Bone wines and the top Bone wines. What are, what are we looking for? What, what can we expect in these bottles? Well, uh, it's mainly red, except for one wine, uh, two wines, sorry, called the Bonne Blanc and Bonne Premier Cru Clos des Mouches White. Uh, but, but overall, the wine, uh, the wines of Bonne have a slight rusticity that can be, I'm going to, uh, I could say that can be sometimes disturbing for some people, uh, but I believe that they should slightly go over that. And uh, there is overall in the Bonne wine uh, a, a pretty good structure, uh, tannins uh, tend to be quite obvious, but always uh, well refined. Um, pretty good length as well. They're more on the darker fruit and spicy notes as well. Uh, mm-hmm. it, they're not as elegant as I would say Volnay, or if you move to the Côte the Côte de Nuit wines. Uh, but we we just love most of the time. We just love the wines of Bonne. Uh, no matter if you're Claude Mouche, you're in Les Greves that we shared uh, together not long time ago. Uh, and and uh, you truly get the essence of what uh, either a village or a premier cru can deliver when it comes to the the purity of the of the Pinot Noir of Burgundy or mm-hmm. the the Chardonnay as well. The Côte de Mouche is magic, yeah. uh, and I would say the Côte de Bonne, the Côte de Bonne as well. Um, but 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 truly, again, those wines do not have to be enjoyed with serious food. You can have a lot of fun food with it. You can have fusion food you can have uh, sushi and sashimi you can play with all that you can have some mexican food as well not too spicy but some yeah. mexican food so you can play with food they're versatile so yeah, and and no one is wrong uh, yeah no one is right no one is wrong when it comes to food pairing just try yeah i i just I think uh, you're, you're just so right about all that i just want to mention one wine talk about fun uh, the coat de bone uh, that's in the market from 2017 now that's a vintage that probably was panned a bit by uh, all the experts but at this point uh, down the road six seven years down the road it's really showing well at the moment in, indeed and that that's that's interesting you mentioned i mean some of the uh, some of 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 I would say the wine specialty is just to kind of kill the vintage before, almost before it was even born. Uh, and, uh, and, and the wine, 
Indeed, in their Europe, maybe they were not super attractive, but we've been saying give the wines a little time, maybe like two or three years, and you'll see they start revealing themselves. The tannins are going to be integrated a bit more. Uh, so I'm, I'm saying as well, you know, don't be too much. It, it's great to have guidance. And I love all what I'm writing on the wines. Uh, but, but I'm saying also to the consumers, someone's to want to get into it. It's good as an information, but please do yeah. not drink scores. Drink wine. Laurent, uh, we always think, uh, by the way, our guest is Laurent Drouin, uh, Export Director, United States, Canada for Maison Joseph Drouin. Laurent, uh, we always think the French are so French, and they're French forever, but you have a great operation in Oregon. Why did you go to Oregon? Whose idea was that, and how has that worked out for you? Uh, okay, why? It goes back to my father's time in the early 60s, a trip to Portland, and then he tasted some wines from uh, the papa of, you know, David Lett and David Ellison, the Steve Carey, the, what they call the steamboat guys. And he kept mm-hmm. that in the back of his mind. And then in the early, uh, uh, late 70s, uh, David Lett, uh, I'm doing a fast forward there, David Lett organized yep. a tasting comparing Burgundy, Pinot Noir, and Oregon. Uh, Pinot, what those guys were doing, and my father just just loved some of those wines, and he reorganized the tasting in Bone, invited those guys down to Bone, and then compared those wines again, and 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 among the top wines were a few from Oregon. Uh, so he kept that in the back of his head, and in the mid '80s, uh, David Ellison called my father, saying, "Robert, there is a beautiful property for sale. It's Christmas trees and wheat planted, uh, but it's well located. You should take a look at it." And my father went there with my sister, who just graduated out of the University of Dijon as an enologist. And, uh, and, and they sat in the middle of the field and they said, let's do it. And wow. uh, that was in 1987 of July. And uh, he started building a winery, planting uh, high density like we do in Burgundy. And from there, it's been an absolute uh, splendid, exciting uh, adventure when it comes to the wine. You had 25 wineries in 1987. There's more than 1,000 today uh, wow. in Oregon. And the whole, region, the whole region is absolutely exploding when it comes to Pinot Noir and serious Pinot Noir. Mm. It was a good well, indication for us. Now, the first vintage was released was 1991 on the markets. And when you taste those wines, 32 years today, when you taste those wines, they're still alive and still absolutely standing. So my father was great. not that wrong. Yeah. Laurent, uh, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you today. By the way, if I organize a tasting in British Columbia of BC Pinot Noir with you, maybe you'll consider uh, opening a winery in the Okanagan. We would love to see you up here uh, making wine. Uh, thanks for joining us. Hey, know. I, I know you got a plane to catch, but we're really excited to have you on the show today, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. It's been an absolute pleasure, Anthony. Thank you very much. You're welcome. That was Laurent Drouin. He's a family member, export manager, U.S. and Canada, and Burgundian aficionado. Up next, Kim Crawford, winemaker, Jabber Wines, and uh, joins us on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Anthony Gismondi. We'll be right back. There's lots more still ahead. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. 
uncork the latest of our province's wine this month at Save on Foods, home to more than 1,300 BC VQA wines. With Canada's largest selection growing every day, you'll find new wines from new wineries arriving all the time. Spring is the time of new beginnings, so celebrate with the latest in high-quality vintages from the best growers and winemakers BC has to offer. Wines of British Columbia at Save on Foods, with 22 wine stores across BC. Find yours at saveonfoods.com. Penticton, a year-round mecca of adventure and wine. Get to know Penticton at the 6th Annual True Penticton Tourism Expo, April 2nd from 11 till 4 at the Penticton Trade and Convention Center. Learn more about all the fantastic things to see, do, and explore, and the places to play and stay in Penticton. Sample great local wine and craft beer, and a chance to win some fantastic prizes. Admission is free to this family-friendly event. Go to visitpenticton.com for more upcoming festivals and events in Penticton. The legend lives on. Three-Finger Jack roamed the rugged, lawless gold country wilderness along the east ridge of Lodi in Old California, searching relentlessly for riches. The gold may be gone, but this wine, grown in the land where Jack rode, pays tribute to his outlaw nature, a bold Cabernet Sauvignon, truly worthy of that legendary name, Three-Finger Jack, outlaw by nature. Discover the legend at a BC liquor store near you or visit threefingerjack.com. It's time to think turkey. Your BC turkey farmers work hard all year to bring high-quality products to your table. Whether it's a weeknight dinner or special occasion, turkey is always a delicious source of lean protein, and you can't forget the leftovers. With a great meat-to-bone ratio, you get a great value and multiple meals. So the next time you're wondering what to serve, think turkey. Find recipes, info, and more at bc.canadianturkey.ca. From our Save on Foods Wines of British Columbia studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. Hello, British Columbia. We're back, and our next guest is Kim Crawford. He's the winemaker at Jabber Wines, among other things, and uh, Love Block. Uh, Kim, thanks for joining us today on the show. Uh, great to have you on the air. I know you're coming to us from New Zealand, and there are so many people wondering about the cyclone and, and what's happened since. Can you give us a bit of an update? Um, it's really been disastrous for the, for the west, east coast of the North Island. So anywhere down the east coast of the North Island is just about destroyed, so it's not very nice. But Wow. It was amazing what 300 millimetres of rain in 24 hours does. Mm. Yeah. What about the vines, too? Like, everything's gone, or do you think any of that will come back? Uh, not that that's as important as the people, but in terms of wine, uh, it's... In terms it's, of wine, Gisborne, we're picking tomorrow. So mm. hopefully they learned a bit from cyclone, the last cyclone that came through, Cyclone Bowler. So they built up their stop banks by a metre, and that was enough to get them through, whereas in Hawke's Bay, it just got destroyed. So, wow. Yes. It's not, well, not the best uh, for yeah, the industry. not the best. No, not at all. Well, we hope that uh, things turn around in the near future and they can get back to the business of making wine, uh, mm. which is the business you're in. And I thought maybe, because it's a sometimes confusing for people who aren't in the know in the business, uh, I met you many years ago, Kim, uh, when you were at Cooper's Creek. Uh, of course, you're famous for the creation of the Kim Crawford wines that you sold. Uh, 
so, but tell us what you've done since then, or what what happened? You you, you sold the name, you kept uh, you kept some land, or how can you explain uh, the transition to our listeners? Yeah, well, we just basically sold sold the brand, which was quite unique at this at this stage mm-hmm. in its development. Um, so I lost the rights to using my name, which. <laughs> was a little bit difficult to get get uh, my head around, but I'm sort of there now. And yeah, we kept we kept all our vineyard land, which we have now converted to organics, and it's now coming out as Love Block. So right. Um, so you yeah. So that and now I'm starting to move move overseas, I suppose. Yeah. Well, that's what I want to talk to you about today, mostly, is uh, Jabber Wines, which is a project that you've got going on in Chile. Uh, what's the genesis of that? Why did you go to Chile? Why did you go to Casablanca? Was it is it all part and parcel of uh, the Sauvignon, you know, the search for Sauvignon Blanc? Or Yeah, or I mean, I, when I was on Garden Leaf, when we sold the brand, I went to Chile in 2008 and tasted a whole lot of Sauvignons there and thought that they were all very distinctly similar with mm-hmm. from what we call from ripening under water stress so they have a low low TA and low pH which makes them quite unattractive I think early in their life and with a little bit of wine making adjustment we can actually fix that and it took me a while to get the right partners and everything but it seems to be up and running now and it's good having a viticulturalist who understands flavor rather than crop load so right from that, I was being very lucky there with my partner yeah you you've been working with uh, the Underaga family i understand yeah yeah in the goes uh, the new boy on the block he's mostly the best viticulturist i've had since my old one jeremy highland here so when oh, that's great. You get a good viticulturist that understands flavour. It's it's How, wonderful. So you, I mean, obviously, the it's a sort of a similar journey in in uh, New Zealand, in where all those Sauvignon Blancs tasted the same for a long period of time to us. Uh, but you know, they were enjoyable, but not much difference. So, w- when you got to Casablanca, what are some of the things that you learned that you put in place there and and uh, to develop uh, Jabber? Well, it's just uh, having eight hours of skin contact is vitally important. So we handpick in the vineyard and then we crush and macerate it overnight on the skins and that lifts the pH up, which allows me to adjust the acid down right. again. I know it sounds a little bit um, mysterious, but that's sort of the way we do it sort of thing. So so you get a, uh, sort of a richer... Is it a richer mouthfeel you're after? Or, yeah, or? It's, it's more more in the mouth feel than in the nose, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and and when you started the project, I know that uh, you worked with three areas, you thought about single vineyard wines, but uh, in the end you're, you, you're sticking to the blend now? Is that is that the, the future of the yeah, brand? Yeah, the, the, the blend seems to be the best way forward from mm-hmm. a... You're getting different flavors from the three vineyards. We're getting quite different flavors, but they look better together than they do yeah. apart. Yeah, it's pretty pretty similar to the old days. Uh, you know, you put together, you keep everything separate, and then put it together, and it looks far better than the individual parts. Right. Just for the different flavor profiles that you get from mixing different vineyard parcels. So mm-hmm. yeah. 
Yeah, that's not, uh, by the way, our guest is Kim Crawford, and we're talking about uh, his Chilean project, uh, uh, Jabber. So, what, what's the, uh, who's the market for this wine? Is it North America? Is it coming back to New Zealand? What, what's your plan? No, the plan is for North America. We're going to launch it in California next, next in a couple of weeks' time. Mm-hmm. So, and I'll be visiting Vancouver, I think, as well. Yeah, we hear it. So. Yeah, we hear it's going to be available in, at least in uh, British Columbia, maybe one of the first places in Canada, which would be nice. Yeah, uh, yeah, well, it's BCN in Calgary, I think. Yeah, in Alberta, perfect. Hmm. Well, well, Kim, you know, you know so much now about Sauvignon Blanc, and you, I guess, uh, you kept the land. Love Block is another. Uh, project for you well not a project it's the home project now what what can you tell us about love block we see these wines but give us a bit of an idea of where they come from and what your philosophy there is well i mean it's it's a different philosophy completely it's all estate grown fruit so we go all the fruit ourselves now mm-hmm. we know there's no contract buying and um there's two main two main vineyard sources is um lower dashwood or the alatiri lower tree vineyard and there's one vineyard we use in the lower Waihopai Valley as well. So two different, distinct, different vineyards. So I'd say ripen about two weeks apart. So, and that's the basis for the love block. Um, Sauvignon Blanc, Pinot Gris and Pinot Noir are the three main drivers we've got. Mm-hmm. So it's all pretty much similar styles, I suppose. I am putting a lot more malolactic in the wines now, so... Especially the seven, you know, we're up to running up to fifty percent through malolactic fermentation, rather than just sticking a chemical in to deacidify. We're trying to go be more natural, I suppose, in the way that we're operating. Yeah, mm. and get more complexity, I guess, in the end. Yeah, yeah. They have the new um, citric negative malolactic bugs, which means you don't get the butteriness that comes with the. With uh, malolactic fermentation, like in Chardonnay, we want the butter in this, but in Sauvignon, it tends to detract from the main flavor profile. So we're just doing it realistically to adjust the pH up. Yeah. Are you tracking what other people, I mean, are, are you still looking at places like Sancerre and, and uh, perhaps in South Africa and, and other people that are working with Sauvignon Blanc? Yeah, we are looking quite quite regularly and often at just different styles. Um, we're trying to move the style away from the old traditional in-your-face style. So mm-hmm. you'll find the love blocks a little bit more refined, a little bit more gentle, I suppose, is the right word for you. Yeah. Uh, well, we talked a little bit about Pinot Noir, too, because New Zealand uh, has done quite a good job with Pinot Noir. Uh, I always like to tell the story i think at the first i went to the first pinot noir conference where i'm not sure who it was that opened the conference but said they had studied pinot noir around the world and that 25 uh, percent of pinot noir was fantastic and the rest was garbage and uh, new zealand thought they could outproduce the other 75 within five years and and, and it looks like they did uh uh, go after that lower end because it was easy pickings. But uh, from then, they've really moved up. What What are you doing at Love Block? What What's your Pinot Noir philosophy? We have 10 hectares in Bendigo in Central Otago, which is our Pinot Noir block. Um, we seem to be um, producing good quality at a reasonable price, which is sort of what we want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And is it, would you say, by the way, we're speaking with Kim Crawford, we're talking about his Love Block wines. Is it easier to make Pinot Noir than Sauvignon, or is Sauvignon more difficult in your view? Um, Sauvignon is more difficult, I think, to make, but Pinot Noir is more difficult to grow. We're quite lucky in central Otago, it seems to be almost a, well, Bannockburn used to be called the heart of the desert, so it's very dry even this year. It's been very Mm -hmm. dry down there. I think we're at 360 days of no rain. Wow. Very little rain. So it's been very good for growing conditions, but if we didn't have water there, we'd be in trouble. So if we asked you for a little preview of 2022, of of your uh, harvest coming up, what would you tell us about the quality so far? Um, the quality looks great in the South Island. In the North Island, we're going to struggle a bit. It doesn't affect Love Block, but it does affect one of the other properties I work for. Um, I'm going to Gisborne tomorrow to see what we can salvage. Mm-hmm. Mm, but it's and- one of these things. Once, like, there's not many of us that were here in 1988 when the last cyclone came through. But those of us that remember, we really we made some good wines that year, but we really struggled to sell them internationally because everybody knew that we'd had a cyclone. Right. So, yeah, yeah it'll now be interesting. Marlborough seems to be the the core to our business. So as long as Marlborough has a good vintage, then New Zealand has a good vintage. So we're hopeful mm-hmm. that Marlborough is going to hold hold on. Hmm. Yeah, well, it's well established here, and and you're you are well established here. Uh, I love that you're known as Kim now, Kim and Erica. Of course, your partner, uh, <laughs> which uh, it, it makes me laugh. But I think it's it's interesting. Your journey's been a great journey, and uh, uh, and it's still going on, which is fabulous. And I, I I salute you for going to Chile. I think it's one of the most underrepresented countries in the world. Uh, it's a country that has to fight to get on restaurant tables, and maybe with uh, folks like you working with them, you can help. Uh, push that uh, that knowledge level up because uh, many of those wines deserve to be in restaurants around the world. Mm, yes, I, I believe so. Yeah, Kim, thanks so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure to talk to you. We look forward to seeing the Jabber wines in our market uh, sometime this spring. And, of course, uh, Love Block is here, and we'll look out for those and uh, get some information about those out on social media to our uh, listeners. Thank you so much, Kim. Great to talk to you. No, No problem. Thank you very much. That was uh, Kim Crawford, uh, rather famous guy. I remember meeting him at Cooper's Creek. He was quiet then. As you can tell, he's still a quiet man, a, a thinker, a winemaker, uh, and doing a great job at Love Block and now uh, launching this Jabber project out of Chile. Well, that's it for this week's show. Next week, we kick off uh, our Valley First Winemaker Series. We're going to talk with Dallas Thor. He's the owner at Terra Vista Vineyards on the Naramata Bench. Special thanks. To our technical producer in Vancouver, Dwayne Bishop, our Simon editor, Sherry Caleb, and director of operations, Stu Ferguson. For all of us at the show, I'm Anthony Gismondi, wishing you a great week ahead, and we'll catch up with you next week across the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. today's show. This is BC Food and Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi.